Hi, and thanks for tuning in for another edition of the Trademark Productions SEO Blog Talk Radio Show. Hi, I'm Dwight Seringer. I'm owner and operator of Trademark Productions, a small digital advertising agency based in the outskirts of Detroit, Michigan. Each week, I'll be interviewing different industry experts and the latest in search engine optimization, online marketing, e-commerce, website design, link building tactics, and social media. I welcome your questions and comments through our blog at tmprod.com. I want to thank you for tuning in, and let's get started with our show today. First of all, let me just kind of do an introduction. Uh, Ted Murphy is the president and CEO of the Isaiah Corporation, uh, largely recognized as being the leader or the forefather uh, behind sponsored conversations. Um, He's been starting companies since 1994. He's been through six and now it's a uh, social media powerhouse called Isaiah, and you have an Isaiah Fest going on. You're speaking there, I'm hoping, as well as Mr. Gray is, uh, amongst other places both of you have spoke at. Uh, Michael Gray, a lot of people may know him, has been involved in internet marketing for over 10 years now. He uh, started off in retail and doing uh, webmaster and optimization, uh, being a webmaster and doing optimization for a large retail site, and uh, took a site from over 100 k to $25 million in a year. And now he's doing his own thing, which is probably a very nice thing, at Atlas Web Services. And he's also a very frequent speaker. I know with SMX and uh, PubCon, uh, moderator at Webmaster World, so you're tight with Brett. And uh, you're over at Spin. Do you even do it? Is Spin still alive? Uh, yeah, Spin's still alive. Actually, yeah, they just launched a new platform there, so we're kind of working the bugs out. Good deal, good deal. And SES, uh, you're not a proponent of SES anymore, I suppose. Uh, Cool, cool. So let's talk a little bit about some of these FTC regulations that have come about uh, most recently. And um, there's probably a little bit of reasoning too why I wanted to get you two together. Unfortunately, a shoemaker couldn't make uh, meet with us today. He's on a plane right now traveling, but he wanted to get involved in this conversation as well. But let's go back to the whole entire thing of uh, you guys come from a long history of being SEOs of uh, optimizing and promoting products and people's sites, working for clients uh, through ma- main, main ways and always continuously fighting with the big G. Google. And essentially, um, the FTC talks about rules to ban deci- uh, deceptive and unfair business practices. Uh, they're proposing guidelines that aim to clarify the law and for the first time specifically include bloggers defined loosely as anyone writing a personal journal online. Um, basically, they're saying if these guidelines are approved, and there's really no timeline in regards to these, anybody that blogs would have to back up their claims and disclose if they're being compensated. And they're not saying specifically how they're going to police this. Um, they could order violators to stop, which I'm not sure how they're going to do that, uh, and pay restitution to customers. And it could ask the Justice Department to sue for civil penalties, which I think is very interesting as well. So I guess starting this off, well, I, let's start with Ted. Um, what are your thoughts in regards to these based on your background in history? Uh, so I actually think that the FTC, uh, the proposed FTC guidelines are actually a great thing. Um, and IDEA as a company is actually in, in full support of uh, those guidelines. Um, you know, I, I think that that's going to probably surprise a lot of people, um, you know, given the fact that I, I think a lot of people, when they think about this space, really look at um, ideas specifically and, and, you know, 
kind of the cash compensation going to, um, you know, bloggers or other people in, in social media. But, you know, if you actually look at the examples inside the FTC guidelines, a lot of what they're speaking about is um, actually geared more towards um, soft money um, transactions. So if somebody is compensated with, uh, you know, a free video game system or if uh, they're provided with a, a free trip or tickets to an ex, uh, to an experience, um, you know, that's been something, something that's been going on in the PR world for uh, a long time. That was um, with radio. You know, and, and, yeah, and radio and, uh, you know, if you look at other forms of media, you've got you know, product placement and things like that. And, you know, I think that, that what, the, what these guidelines do is they actually create more of a level playing field for people uh, and for companies like us um, where, you know, we, we got a lot of pushback on, on disclosure in, in 2006, uh, you know, when we first launched paper post and didn't really have any clear guidelines uh, about disclosure. And, you know, I, I think since then we've, we've come a long way. Um, you know, we, we just launched a, uh, a fully automated disclosure audit inside of SocialSpark. Um, all the platforms require disclosure. Um, and so, you know, in, in a lot of ways, we see our competition as, um, you know, the PR firms and the brands that are providing people with uh, SPIF and, and aren't closing those things. And it's, and it's funny, you know, that someone like, uh, you know, Google would come out and talk about this because these are the same guys that are providing people with free free Androids and, uh, you know, access to special events without any sort of, um, you know, guidelines or, or enforcement of disclosure. Um, so I'm actually in a little bit of a unique situation that I, I just got back from the FTC on Wednesday. Um, I, I uh, uh, had written a, a letter to the FTC uh, talking about the concept of universal disclosure uh, and they invited me to uh, to come up and to actually speak with the whole staff who's putting together uh, the guidelines. Uh, so got to spend a pretty extensive amount of time with them uh, earlier this week, and um, you know I, I think that I think that what they're trying to do is actually the right approach to this problem. Okay, Michael, what do you think? A lot of this, there's an overreaction. Um, a lot of people in the blogging world and, you know, the blogging media, they, they write sensational posts, you know, like the FTC is cracking down on bloggers. But if you actually take the time to go through and read the PDF, um, it's not the easiest thing in the world to read. It's actually pretty horrible to read. Mm -hmm. What they're really trying to do is get rid of the people who are making, you know, outrageous claims. There's a whole big section on people who are making on diet pills, you know, lose 30 pounds in 30, you know, in half an hour kind of deal. Things that real people, if you stop and thought about, you know, this is not true. But people who are in desperate situations, you know, they need money. They're trying to do those sort of things. That's the kind of stuff that they're trying to crack down on. They're not trying to get just, say, crack down on people who are doing the right, the right thing. They're just trying to get rid of people who are making unsubstantiated, completely made up claims just so that they can turn a buck. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I guess part of the take on this, too, is just could this be evolving into the aspect of, I guess, Ted, when you had started um, Paper Post, part of the aspect of that, too, was to have non-disclosure. That wasn't really a concern at the point. Um, Non-disclosure was actually better because that was keeping under the, the radar of someone like Google as well with their algorithms. And also uh, having the ability to bleed out page rank or provide juice for specific keyword phrases as well. Um, what about that in, in response to this or this collaborating together? Uh, you know, I, 
think that those are that those are two kind of different subjects. Um, you know, that the SEO subject and, and you know how people are being compensated for links. Um, you know, I, I think that the whole concept of, of pay drink is, is ridiculous, and I also think that the concept of of no follow is, is ridiculous. Um, you know, you have so many commercial relationships that are um, between individuals and corporations, and you know, to say that one commercial relationship requires a no follow and another type of commercial relationship doesn't require no follow, um, you know, it's all very confusing, and and to the to the layperson and even to a lot of experienced bloggers, they don't they don't know what the rule is, um, and, and so I think that Google is trying to, um, you know, look at the take the weaknesses of their own algorithm and then kind of force everybody else to do things differently uh, because their algorithm isn't smart enough to figure things out, and so what you have is there is you know there is currency in, in linking and there is currency in, in page rank. Um, but that's by their own doing. Um, sure. Yeah, they created the black market on that. But yeah, and 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 you know, if you look at um, you know Yahoo and and Microsoft, you know they're they're not talking about no follow. Um, you know they've got they've got other ways of determining you know what should be um, ranked or not ranked. Um, and so I I think that that entire uh, you know, the entire no-follow discussion is really just kind of Google masking their own problems within their algorithm and how they've built up their search engine. Okay, well, I think maybe, Michael, this I'm going to direct this a little bit more towards you then, is I was kind of trying to create the bridge of a lot of current conversations in your heated debate with cuts in regards to an uh, individual like Robert Skubal or uh, Guy Kawasaki. I think even as uh, recently this week, you talked about uh, your poking mat about as far as a red Ferrari uh, or Lamborghini. Uh, actually, just to give anybody who's not familiar, um, some of the people, uh, Guy Kawasaki, for instance, um, he's been loaned uh, four cars uh, over the past two years or so. And, you know, some of them for been for a one-week period, but one of them was actually for a three-month period. Now, if you say if he's an expert car reviewer and you're going to lend him a car to do that, that's fine. But, you know, the last time I checked, Doc Kawasaki was a venture capitalist who liked to play hockey. He's really got no uh, area expertise in the area of automotive reviews, so he's just a regular guy. And, again, he's a guy with a family, and that's fine. But, you know, is he the right person to be reviewing sports cars? I necessarily don't think so. But the people who are doing it, they're doing it for public relations to try and get people aware of their cars. And is he violating you know, Google's guidelines by doing this. And he's definitely, in my opinion, walking that gray area, but Google chooses not not to go after him because he's somewhat high profile. Well, then I guess that's where I'm trying to make the bridge here, too, is he is a blogger. He has openly come out and stated how he has numerous people running his Twitter accounts. I mean, he's a publicity hound. He's a great social marketer from a lot of aspects. And, and then after a period of time, openly discloses how he does it. And um, I'm in a bit of agreement with that there, too. I think he definitely is walking the gray line. Being a very predominant public figure out there, um, he's choosing. Uh, he, he's, he's getting special treatment, and how is this reflective? Does someone like uh, yourself, uh, you're, you're you're more higher profile than someone like myself, um, in, in regards to these FTC guidelines? If he's being paid, or in the terms of being given a car for three months, there's a type of uh, value that's associated with that. Right, you, 
you know, you could say that they lend them a car for a week. Is there a cash value for that? You know, did it cost that much to rent the car for a week? That's a debatable point. But at three months, you can obviously say, okay, there's some some value there. This wasn't just like you kind of. So I, I don't know about you, but if. Uh, <laughs> It, it's probably a pretty substantial amount of money to, to rent a Ferrari for a week. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And people like Robert Scoble and Sarah Lace, you know, they come out and they're very big advocates of, of full disclosure, yet I know they all just, they've gone on several all-expense-paid trips to Israel. They've just come back from a trip or coming back now from a trip from England, and yet, you know, Google sort of turns a blind eye to them because they're saying, oh, okay, what they're doing is okay. We've decided that it's for public relations and not for links. But yet everybody who they went and saw on that trip and who sponsored that trip definitely got links out of that. So how does that not constitute a paid link? How does it not constitute a paid link? And how does that, if they're talking about it, obviously, um, if they're a blogger, well, then let's define the term of blogger. And Ted, I guess... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to pick on it from from this type of an aspect, but you were up with the FTC as you stated earlier this week, talking about um, universal disclosure. So if you're posting it out on your site and it's not necessarily in a blog, or you're not blogging, so to speak, or tweeting, but you do talk about it in some type of uh, permanent form that gets published on the web, you know, I guess in your opinion, how do you have to disclose this? Or how, how should this? Uh, how do these terms mean that it needs to be disclosed? And at what point? Uh, how do you calculate that you're above it? Like we're stating, Guy Kawasaki's above and beyond, and he's a prominent figure, so he doesn't have to do a disclosure and doesn't have to worry about penalties. Or at what point do we need to start to worry? Does someone need to start to worry about that? Or let's even look at it from a point of agencies like yourself or both of you. Um, this is a lot of client work and uh, paid posts, getting links for our clients, getting them publicity online, uh, getting their products reviewed in different ways is a big part of the whole entire gamut of SEO. So how do we go about doing this without uh, uh, knowing that uh, we're potentially harming ourselves or our clients? I, I, don't, I don't know that I can speak as much on the, on the SEO side as, as kind of the, the FTC side. Um, you know, we actually spent a, a fair amount of time um, discussing uh, what it means to be a celebrity, because uh, in a lot of the current, um, a lot of the, the current documentation from the FTC, you know, they're kind of talking about, you know, the average everyday blogger versus the expert versus the celebrity, and um, you know, I think that one of the things that they're kind of coming back to now is what is a celebrity? You know, does that mean, you know, is it an iJustine who's got, you know, a, a, a huge following on, on uh, YouTube? Is it, you know, somebody who has a, a huge following on uh, uh, Twitter? Or is it, or is that just for, you know, the, the television stars and movie stars out there? And I think that what, what they're coming back to is, you know what, maybe, maybe these people um, kind of are all in the same bucket and they need to be treated in the, in the same way. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some more um, clarification on that and, you know, someone like a guy Kawasaki, uh, you know, being held to the same standards as, uh, you know, as a, as a mom or your daddy blogger. Um, I, I don't think that you're going to see um, – you know that type of special treatment for those people uh, moving into the in the future. Uh, I could be wrong, but based on the conversations that I had, I, I think that you're going to see more level playing field. Um, you know, in terms of what constitutes you know a blog versus you know a you know, regular site or you know what what 
what type of update or, or content um, is the FCC looking at. You know, I think that they're looking at, at more conversational platforms that are, um, you know, laid out in a fashion that you would kind of expect that to be the voice of an individual rather than the voice of a, of a corporation. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, to be honest, there's a lot of gray area there, <laughs> which is, which is going to be kind of hard to, um, you know, to, to really regulate and to, uh, to enforce. You know, I, I think that what we came back to at the end of the day from our discussions was, look, you know, when, if you have any, uh, you know, potential thought that there might be a conflict or that there may be confusion from the consumer standpoint as to what is compensated and what is not compensated, disclose it, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, don't try to get, to get cute about it. You know, one of the things that we were also talking about was, you know, one of the, the things that the PR companies like to do is they'll go out and they'll get 20 bloggers together and they'll take them on a trip or they'll have an experience or they'll give them a product. Um, and then they'll say, you know what, that, that wasn't paid. We didn't, we didn't even ask those people to blog about it. Um, you know, and every single one of those people goes and blogs about it because the reason that they're there is that they're bloggers. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think that that's the, that type of stuff is going to fly in the future. Um, you know, if, if they get the product and you don't have them to blog about it and they don't blog about it, great. They don't have to disclose anything. It's if they get the free product and they blog about it, well, then they need to disclose. Michael, you want to chime in? Uh, I actually agree with Ted. I think that disclosing is a good idea. Um, you know, you should, if someone just gives you something for free, you should definitely say that, hey, they, this company gave me this particular product for free. If you were paid in any way, you know, you were just paid to do the review, not paid to say a positive or negative way, they're just buying your time. Definitely dis disclose that kind of thing. Um, you know, it depends on what sort of volume you're doing. If you maybe do one a year or one every two years, do you need to have a, a big fancy disclosure policy? Probably not. But if you're doing reviews as a regular sort of course, um, you know, you should probably have something a lot more official and, you know, make sure that you're kind of covering yourself legally and that sort of stuff. Well, you know, another question is, do you think, uh, I mean, is it, is it wise? Because we talk about the FTC, it's kind of like talking about... Uh, um, someone is long and established like Donald Trump. Is this someone in, 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 in FTC? Um, is this a good or a bad thing? I mean, are these the ones that should be imposing these types of regulations? I mean, how can this really be controlled and mandated? And does this open up uh, an avenue to, as uh, the government or some very, very large big brothers uh, starting to creep down on us uh, online where we have, you know, very open and personal spaces, I guess, and social networks and whatnot? conversations or, or monitor things. I think they're really their their goal is to try and prevent people from saying um, deceptive or misleading things. Um, you know, we've all seen TV when you watch certain commercials and they look just sort of like editorial content, like news content, and you'll see, you know, up in tiny little print and one of the courts will say this is an advertisement kind of deal. But you know there are people who are getting tricked by that and they're calling that number and, you know, they're refinancing their house and paying some astronomical rate. And I think that's really what they're trying to do is get for the people who are, who are trying to be slick or trying to be deceptive. They're not trying to get away with you, who, you know, you went to the, uh, you went to an amusement park and had a good time the other day kind of deal. Um, I, I, would, I would tend to agree with that on a high level. I would, I would 
say too that you know that I don't think that there's a way for them to possibly monitor all of this stuff. I would I would say that it's more you know creating a, a framework and giving some guidance to the to people that are engaging in these things to say look you need to play by the rules and if you don't play by the rules you know you're you're putting yourself at at risk um, and and so you know hopefully that that potential uh, threat of of uh, you know legal action is enough for people to um, you know to do things right and to be fully transparent and um, and disclose when there's some sort of value exchange between uh, you know an advertiser and a, a blogger or a tweeter or whatever it may be. So almost kind of like a fact of. Uh W3C standards. Uh, this is something that bloggers or the community should start to see and accept and kind of uh, 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 want to uh, come to, to to follow. And as far as a guideline, um, where you have open standards uh, with web, something along those lines. Yeah, I I would say that that something along those lines. You know, also like a um, you know a privacy policy. I think that that's that's a great. Um, it's a great tool that has kind of come up because people have been, you know, self-regulating to some extent. Um, you know, I think that the that the SEC is kind of um, being a little bit more active in this because they haven't seen the type of self-regulation that they wanted to. Um, but you know, privacy policies are something that um, you know people adopt and, and adhere to as as kind of. Just a course of having a having a website, and I think you'll see that with um, disclosure policies with blogs. Um, you know, we we started uh, disclosurepolicy.org in 2006, and you're just now starting to see more people adopt uh, uh, disclosure policies as as a standard standard rule of thumb. Um, but I think that it's also going to be up to the brands and the agencies. Uh, to really create their own standards and, and enforce those standards. So for us, you know, inside of Social Spark, we require a, a disclosure badge in every post that, that's done, and we can audit that with software. That's good. So that so we know that we come back to the advertiser and say, look, here's your disclosure audit. You, you know, if the if the FTC wants to investigate you, here's what you come to you go back with. Good, good. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good, and that's something that's good for an agency or someone that's investing some big money and doing something like that online uh, to know the fact of uh, they're being protected out of a lot of things they don't even know they should be protected about, so to speak. So, so what I'm hearing also, too, is this might be something in regards to like what happened with Napster, where it came out, you have Metallica talking about Don't Steal My Music, and everybody else talking about ripping music and programs, and then we just go at select individuals that are become to be the big uh, perpetrators of the crime? Because obviously a lot of people still... They, they kinda, they, I don't know that they necessarily help their own cause there by going after people because ultimately the people are the ones that you want to buy music and you know and and there's some some questionable tactics in there like them suing grandmothers and suing dead people and, and you know and all sorts of crazy stuff so i don't know that i would i would necessarily hold it up as a model for anyone to follow well then i guess would it be i guess something in the future i mean michael would it be someone you would be a target or would it be more of a guy kawasaki that's going to be a target or someone more like myself. I, re I really think the FCC is looking for people who are making misleading claims. Now, whether, uh, um, you know, having read Guy Kawasaki's uh, car reviews, I believe that he actually drove the car. He liked most of them. You know, 
again, he said in there, he says, listen, I have a bunch of kids and I'm a family person. This is not the right car for me. But if you are, this, you, this is not your case. You should definitely look at it. And I think that's a genuine thing. So I, I don't think his reviews were lies in any, in any case, and I don't want to be on record saying that. But I think that's really what the FCC is trying to get people to come up is to stop doing, just saying, you know, hey, I love this product. It was great. You should buy two, you know, without even opening the box. All right, two more quick questions. If, if you think that this being a, as an aspect of social media in a lot of ways, too, because, um, again, we're talking about some small tweets. Um, with a lot of different software programs, if I'm tweeting something on my iPhone, I can also make sure it writes to my Facebook. If I'm doing something on my blog, it can write to my Facebook and to my tweet in different ways. And it might be small controlled messages, but they may be sponsored in a certain aspect, too. I know there's some new platforms that have also started, too. I don't think anybody's been too successful in selling tweets on a large-scale basis. But do you think that now if some of these start to get controlled and regulated and they have disclosure to them, is that going to encourage or discourage more businesses to get involved and encourage or discourage more people to shy away from those because they're more made for business and they don't have the, the realistic feeling and the naturalism to them? into money. Um, I haven't seen people who've been able to do it from a sponsored way. Um, it just it just almost always looks disingenuous. Um, you know, sort of like you're holding someone's kind of tooth, you know, toothpaste and smiling awkwardly kind of deal. Yeah. And I don't think that really works. But when someone, I have seen people who've been able to tweet out commercial links and convert them into sales. So it depends on, on how the tweet is done and if the people who are reading the tweet believe that it's a, it's a genuine message. Yeah. I, I think that that's key. So I I don't know, I, I, in fairness of this uh, transparency here and, and disclosing on my own behalf is uh, we're getting ready to launch a, a platform called Sponsored Tweets <laughs> very shortly. And um, we've actually done uh, done quite a few sponsored tweets, and, and some of those actually um, we're going to have celebrities in the platform, and we've already done some of those tweets on, on their behalf as part of the uh, beta program. And, uh, you know, i got to tell you that, that we require disclosure in, in all the tweets. Um, it's it's a part of the process. They have to disclose in order to be able to submit the tweet. Um, How many characters is that tweet? Uh, How many characters is that disclosure? Um, it, it, you know, it can be, you know, brought to you by, sponsored by, you know, something as simple as saying advertisement. Uh, we provide a couple different options. Uh, for them, depending on you know what the tone is of the uh, of the, the tweet itself, um, but it has to include one of those phrases. And you know, from the, the tweets that we've done, we've actually seen some pretty remarkable uh, performance. Um, and on on the high end, you know, these celebrity tweeters are are literally making thousands of dollars for a single tweet. Wow! No, that's great. Is that something that's going to be uh, agency only, or is it going to open to public? Uh, it's going to be open to the public. Um, what is this launching? Are you in beta right now, I'm assuming? Um, actually, I, I'll send you guys a we, – we've got a special uh, invite on the 27th where I'm going to preview the whole system, and uh, it'll be launching uh, shortly after that. Okay. Michael, any other uh, – I guess any other things? I guess what I was kind of looking for is – 
does it end up coming to a point of creating a Facebook group? A lot of people are starting to utilize Facebook and some other networks to build a following, to put affiliates inside of there, to recommend a product, some way that they're trying to monetize it in a lot of different ways for a cause, ending coming down to money. Um, and it's, I'm seeing this also from an agency standpoint of view as well. Is these types of regulations, again, is that going to discourage people from starting to use some of these? Is it really going to clearly identify? Is it going to, is it going to maybe um, hurt the power of some of those things too I, as well? It's kind of like an infomercial in a well. Affiliate marketing isn't necessarily a bad idea. I think it just kind of depends on how you do it. Um, recently I saw a, a series of Twitter accounts. Basically they're all about, um, uh, I forget how they named it, but it was discounts from LAX. So it was flights. So what the person would do is they'd go through all their travel affiliate links, look for sales coming to and from Los Angeles Airport, and if you happen to fly, you happen to be near Los Angeles Airport, and you could travel at a moment's notice. You know, you could subscribe to this thing, and you get a lot of really, really good deals. So there's a value add there for some people. So I don't think that necessarily affiliate marketing and these things are necessarily bad. You've just got to kind of not trick people into following you and then throwing things out there that are inappropriate or that don't match what the people are looking for. Okay. So, so in summary, um, so, I guess, so I guess in summary, you guys are both saying that these are some good guidelines. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how these are going to be imposed and followed and uh, how people are going to be potentially uh, suffer some consequences for doing these things. Uh, I guess as a last tip here too, do you see uh, any you two, and I guess more towards Michael, is Google or Matt using this more of a backbone of some of his arguments uh, moving forward? Uh, let's just say Matt is sometimes creative in his, in his explanations. Um, and, you know, he kind of made it to the, the FTC suggested a ruling and that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know, there's, there's, there's no backbone behind that, but that sounds really impressive when you're on stage and you could say the FCC suggested that you do this, but it's not an actual policy that you have to follow. So, you know, he can scare a lot of people off just because he is Matt Cuss and he can get away with that. And, you know, and so you've got to kind of listen to what it is he's actually saying and pay attention to the wording. And so, because sometimes there's a, he takes advantage of the situation. Good. Perfect. Perfect. Any, any last comments, Ted? think so. I mean, I, 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 at the end of the day, I think that, that disclosure and transparency is, is great for social media. Um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to further legitimize the space. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to a day where everybody's playing by the same rules. Because um, you know, right now there's, uh, you know, the majority of people aren't really playing by any rules. Uh, and so it makes it difficult for people who are playing by the rules to, to compete in some, in some uh, circumstances. Great. So in summary, I guess what I'm, I'm kind of hearing here, too, is, is everybody's kind of feeling that this may start to provide some guidelines for a lot of people to go by. Um, this transparency disclosure is going to allow things to be a lot more uh, crystal clear. It's going to allow everybody to be a little bit more honest and, and put on a happy face, and the ones that are being deceptive are really going to stand out from the rest of the bunch. As for business, hopefully that we're going to see a lot of our clients and a lot of businesses out there embrace this as well and be, be able to work with this transparency. Transparency as far as this full disclosure on products and people are going to be able to accept them for what they are and really make their own decisions and do their research online. Uh, again, I want to thank both of you for joining us. Ted Murphy of Isaiah, Michael Gray of Gray Wolf and Atlas Web Services. And uh, you guys will be able to go ahead and get a transcript of this and listen to the podcast over at tmprod.com. Thanks again, guys. I appreciate your time and your input. And good luck. Thank you. 
I want to thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Trademark SEO Talk radio show. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to hit us up on our website at tmprod.com or you can go ahead and give us a call at 248-582-9210. Thanks again for listening.